Welcome to the Wave Podcast. Until the lions have their own historians, the history of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. These words from the Nigerian novelist Chinua Achebe offer a perfect description of the challenges Africans face as they produce cinematic works aiming to answer the questions, who are we and what do we represent? In the early 20th century, Egyptians pioneered the art of silent cinema and Cairo quickly became a major world center for the production of comedies, musicals and dramas. In the 60s, with the push for decolonization, Africans frequently use cinema as a counter-discourse, a way to tell their own realities and change the narrative that had been built up about them since colonization. Such was the work of the Senegalese film director, Ousmane Senben, with films such as his 1966 La Noire 2, and of the Malian film director, Suleiman Sissé, with his 1968 work entitled Dubarra. The African film industry was extremely buoyant and successful during this period. Then in the 1990s, African economies faced a series of crises that precipitated the closure of many cinemas on the continent, eliminating most distribution points for African movies. Highly indebted to the IMF and the World Bank, they were forced to undergo so-called structural adjustment programs that hindered the independent economic development of many industries on the continent, including cinema. Remarkably, and despite the total absence of foreign investment, the hopeless situation became a footstool for some cinema amateurs. In Nigeria, for example, enthusiasts continue to make films and to endeavor to keep their industry alive. It is this industry that would later become known as the vibrant and dominating Nollywood. Nollywood was launched with amateur cameras and almost no means, given that the international donors who might have financed films in the past were either no longer there or had changed their funding priorities. Today, Nollywood has become one of Nigeria's biggest employers, greatly diversifying the economy of a country that was largely dependent on oil and agriculture. Nollywood also provided opportunities for actors from other West African countries and from South Africa. The World Bank estimated that in 2013, the 590 million United States dollars that Nollywood generated that year alone could lead to the creation of an additional 1 million jobs in the country. Today, Nigerian movies such as Lionheart, produced by Genevieve Naji in 2018, or The Royal Hibiscus, produced by the entrepreneur Mo Abudu in 2017, are available alongside Hollywood productions on the American streaming platform Netflix, opening up the world of African cinema to the globe. There are other countries in Africa whose film industries are beginning to show success. The challenge they face is that Contrary to the Nigerian film industry, where almost all films are fully or to a large degree financed from sources within the country, most of these other countries depend on financing from outside the continent. The result is that this often means that film producers have less control over how their films are managed. The current renaissance of the African film industry 
led by the Nigerian film industry, is again undergoing a brutal crisis, COVID-19 and its ensuing lockdowns. The case of Nollywood highlights the advantages and the risks of financial independence in filmmaking. Due to the pandemic, films could not be shot and African producers, actors and directors had to find solutions to counter the effects on their activities. Some directors, such as Obi Emelonye, found innovative ways to shoot movies using social distancing and smartphones. But there is no doubt that production has slowed over the last year. On the flip side, the pandemic revealed a renewed interest in movies on distribution platforms such as Netflix, Amazon Prime and Iroko Television. The future of the industry in the short term seems, therefore, to rely on the internet and on working methods that can be adapted to the post-COVID standards. The internet is thus a critical issue in Africa. To gain a larger audience, as well as to sustain distribution platforms and production companies. Yet, how many Africans can afford or have access to the internet? Today, we welcome three industry experts who will explain the importance of cinema to telling the African story and changing the narrative on the continent and its people. They also will address the question of the future of African cinema in a post-COVID world, as well as the issues of access to finance and the role of festivals and distribution networks in creating new opportunities for African filmmakers. We are the way we reaching out to the skies, Africa rising, moving like on its stars. We are the way we tell the stories of life. We tell the stories of very happy to welcome our panelists today to give us some insight on the topics of this episode of The Wave. So our first guest is Miss Biola Alabi from Nigeria. She's the founding partner of Biola Alabi Media and her company has produced several popular te television shows including the food documentaries Bukas and Jones as well as movies such as Lara and the Beats. We also welcome Apolline Traoré, a Burkinabe filmmaker who directed several short films. However, the movies for which is best known are Moi Zafira, this is in French, released in 2013, and Frontier, which was released in 2018. Frontier was awarded a prize at the 2017 edition of Petspaco, the Ouagadougou Film Festival. Last but not least is Jackie Motsepe, Chief Operating Officer of the KwaZulu-Natal Film Commission. The mandate of the commission is to make the KwaZulu-Natal province a film production hub and to position it as a globally competitive, diverse and sustainable industry and choice film destination. Welcome to you three. Uh, what effect do you think the COVID-19 uh, COVID pandemic particularly the lockdown, has had on the African film industry. As it continues into overtime with different variants all over the world, can you tell us uh, how it would change the African film industry in the long run? Biola? So, I mean, I think that there are two things that happened, and I think every country is different. 
in Nigeria, the lockdown definitely affected films that were in production, that were in post-production. Um, film is a collaborative effort. There's so many people that give birth to a film. So when there's lack of movement, when people are not able to see each other, or when you can't even be on set, that's an issue. Um, lockdown for us, um, hard lockdown was about a month in Nigeria. And then there was sort of what I guess I would call eased lockdown. And eased lockdown was that there was curfew, there was back and forth. Um, there are some people that did not feel confident going back out again, and therefore that did affect a lot of people. But I do think that the, the industry is bouncing back and there might be some, um, some, um, some sort of positives from this. And I think that that's part, in part because there were so many global delays and releases, the local film industry that had already been popular had even more time in the sun to shine because there were just no big international films clogging up the cinemas once people went back out. So there are some, and, and also the streamers were looking for a lot of content. And I think that um, because we had such an ease lockdown and we were able to get back to work, we were able to also meet the needs and also do more post-production that can deliver to streamers. So it has had, it had an immediate effect, but then the other effects have been easing. Um, of course, Cinema House has, are still reeling because they can only be at 30% um, capacity and because of social distancing. And so cinema experiences are still truncated. But I do think that the actual being on set and shooting is almost re re resumed fully. So we in Nigeria were affected, but because we also had a different type of COVID experience, it wasn't as severe as other industries across the continent. Welcome. Jackie, what's your experience in South Africa? With the South African experience, um, we had quite a, quite a serious lockdown. Um, you know, we were in lockdown for about, about a good four months, um, and this is hard lockdown. Um, so it really had a, quite a big uh, impact on the, on the industry. Um, all productions were literally ground to a halt. So anything that was, um, you know, currently on set uh, in March had to stop, obviously, with immediate effect. Um, and we also had um, from our side in KZN, a couple of um, international productions that were also you know, due to come and shoot in the, in the country. So it really had quite a, quite a significant impact. Um, we in South Africa have been quite hard hit um, you know, by, the, by the pandemic. Um, you know, we have looked at stats today. We've currently got 1.5 million um, positive cases. So um, you know, our infection rate is, 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 is quite high but we do have a 94% recovery rate. Um, and we've started the vaccination program in the country. Um, but, you know, after that initial, initial hard lockdown period, you know, we were slowly able to resume, starting with, um, you know, television series, um, you know, the daily soaps that uh, are on um, our, our main broadcast channels. Um, and then from there, from our point of view, all our, our funded projects were able to, to slowly start going back into production. Um, so we had to you know, put together obviously protocols that were in line with the regulations that the government was issuing you know, constantly, um, just to make sure that um, the sets were, were safe. 
So as we speak, um, I think, you know, we can safely say that um, production has, has resumed. And this is very much um, local production. So we've, there's, a, there's a very uh, big focus currently on the, on the indigenous um, industry. With internationals, uh, you know, there isn't really much that can happen. And I think this has a, a, had quite a big impact, um, you know, in other provinces that are servicing um, your international um, big movies. As you know, South Africa is quite a big destination for that. Um, so for the internationals, um, that hasn't been able to resume, but definitely for local productions, you know, we in KZN, we, we're back on set, our productions are there. Um, we've also got a special fund, you know, for COVID because it does increase the cost of the budget. So we have a special fund for that, um, so that filmmakers are able to, to shoot their films um, safely. Um, so that is pretty much where we are in the country. I mean, from a, from a, from a cinema point of view, um, our biggest cinema chain in South Africa is Doki Nicole. Um, and they've recently announced that they're going, they're going to be going into business rescue. So definitely the cinema industry has been hard hit. The cinemas are still open, um, but the business has been, has been quite severely affected. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the scenario here in South Africa. Apolline, uh, what is your uh, experience? Um, before I get into that, I just wanted to correct some some uh, things that you've said about my bio. Um, I'm most uh, mostly a, a lot of uh, um, feature film, that short films. Um, I did television series, and then only one short film, and I'm on my fourth. Uh, feature film, and that was at uh, the uh, 2019 at Fespaco. Just wanted to clear that. Um, uh, talking about COVID in our country, um, we we were not as affected as everyone. Um, the biggest problem um, with the COVID here, the government had to to try to actually make people believe that it existed because a lot of the population didn't even think that it was existing. So to make them even um, uh, use the barriers and, and, and wear the mask, it was, it was kind of difficult. Um, and then a lot of people were saying, no, it's the, uh, the they started by saying it's the white people uh, disease and then they started saying that it's the, the rich people disease. So uh, we, we were never, we never had a lockdown uh, in the country. Um, we, I think that in the beginning, we just had a, cur a curfew and then it stopped. And there, so there's uh, some places around the country that actually were closed. Of course, the big markets and the cinemas um, were closed, but we, we never really had a, uh, a lockdown. Um, I think that it, it affected our cinema because our borders were closed, of course, and a lot of our production are done with Ivory um, Coast, with Benin and all of that. And then we ha also have our funding, uh, most of the big fundings are coming from Europe. And if Europe is closed, we are closed. <laughs> so um, those, those relationships actually had a big uh, uh, impact in the industry in, in, in Burkina. Um, but the, like life was going on and people were actually, if they had a production, people were actually shooting. Um, the, the problem that they had is when they had international crew member or international actors that couldn't make it, um, you just had to kind of find an authorization and if you were able to to get an authorization with that person could come in that person will come in because i mean at us now we've been almost more than a year not in the covid and i think in the country we we are at 10,000 cases um and then the, the recovery were really really fast so 
um, yeah, I think production were really slow because of our relationship between countries and, and, and Europe. Um, but now it's, everything is going back. Um, and we hope that very soon it's, it's, it's going to really pick up. Okay. Have you been, been personally affected in your own projects? Oh, yes, uh, definitely, because I have been, been working on my fifth feature film and I was supposed to go locate in scouting in, in Mauritania. And of course, um, until now, I'm not able to go, but hopefully by, uh, by a month or so, I'll be able to go. Okay, let's hope so. Uh, yeah. Why do you think that African storytelling is so important on the global stage? Why do I think? I think that because our cinema is one of the newest cinema. It's, 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 we are so new compared to, 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 to China, compared to America. We have so much stories. And then when we talk about Africa, can you believe that uh, if you take the continent, we have so many different cultures in the continent, so many stories to tell. Um, and you can see right now that Europe and America are coming towards Africa to look at storytelling, to look at stories. Um, it is important because I think that for the first time, I think for the couple of years, we are able um, to tell our stories the way we want to tell our stories. And then not other people come in and tell other stories that the way they want it or the way they see it. Um, so we, we still, um, and I'm talking about the French African countries, the where we are actually still in, in, um, in the influence of, of France and Europe, um, especially France, but we are slowly uh, getting into imposing our view in our cinema. And that is very important to say because a lot of time, I mean, uh, for a long time, if you take that, the area of Idris Drago of Sambem Nusman, um, if you want the money, you have to do whatever they have to, to tell you to do. Um, so your film is not really your film anymore. Um, Jackie, what's your view about that? Why is it important for Africans to tell their own stories and on the global stage? I think what's uh, what's different is that we're we're telling our stories now in 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 our own way, you know, through our own voices. Um, uh, you know, I'll talk about South Africa, where we do have uh, funding for for films um, from 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 government. So you'll find at a national level, um, there's a national film fund. At a provincial level, with us at KZN, there's a provincial fund. Um, and then we have the rebates, you know, through your DTI, and we've also got a, a government bank, the IDC, that also, you know, um, affords funding for, for film. So I think that that really gives space for local filmmakers to, to tell their own stories in, 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 in their own way. What we've been trying to do for a while is really coin, uh, you know, what actually are the characteristics of a South African film? Um, you know, uh, our film, yes, they uh, reflect the different cultures, um, you know, quite often the films are, you know, filmed and told in our, in our languages, even though they are predominantly uh, in English. But, you know, just that characteristic of a South African film, you know, we haven't, um, we haven't really uh, been able to, to define that. You know, whereas, uh, you know, films coming from other countries, this is easy to identify in a way that this is a, a film from a, from a particular country. Um, but I guess, you know, maybe that is, that is the, the beauty and the, the, the unique uh, position that we're in, considering the, the history that we've come from, um, which has really been, you know, quite a, quite a divided history, you know. So we really are, I think, in a, in, a, in, a, in a very big way, 
trying to find our, our voice in South Africa, trying to understand what stories do we want to tell? You know, um, initially we were telling a lot of stories that had, had a lot to do with, um, with our history, where we came from. Um, and this in a way was a sort of a, a catharsis, um, I suppose, you know, people were really wanting to talk about um, um, the, the, the previous uh, apartheid system, the impact that it had on them, you know, as individuals, as communities. Um, but, you know, we've really evolved and, you know, come out of that. Um, and now the stories are, are so varied, you know, from your uh, romantic comedies, your action films. We see a lot of those um, coming out, but also a lot of, um, you know, cultural stories um, that come from the, from the different cultures around the country. Uh, I mean, in KZN, we are developing a lot of... Um, KZN stories that speak to the culture, the Zulu culture, which is which is very rich, the culture, the heritage, um, the language, and the history here in, in in KZN. So there are a lot of those stories that are that are very much um, in development, whether they're documentaries or shorts or features. Um, and you know, that's those are the types of stories that we see um, filmmakers wanting to tell. We don't prescribe as to what films uh, should be should be told we really just give guidance in terms of the you know the script and the structure um you know the the budgeting and that sort of thing but otherwise in terms of the the story itself it really just comes from the filmmaker and i think you know to a very large extent um we are finding who we are you know as a country um what our identity is, um, you know, through all these, this, this, this tapestry of different stories that are, that are coming out from the different regions. Okay. Viola, uh, what would the, the word miss if there were not African stories? Uh, thank you. Um, I once um, did a presentation that said that the world needs Nollywood. Um, and I think that if there weren't African stories, first of all, the world would be a very bland place. But I think that the world will also be in a place where it is not facing the authenticity and the truth about all of our contributions in the world. And so African stories really take us back to who, who we are, what we've contributed to the world, and a lot of the origin of people in other parts of the world. So people in Latin America that, are Afri that have African heritage. Um, in a place like Colombia, over 10 million people claim to be Black. In, in a place like Brazil, which has one of the largest Black populations outside of Nigeria in the world, we start to lose where all these people come from. And I think that for so long, there hasn't been that connection to the world. The, wor the rest of the world hasn't had that connection to African stories, except for this looking in and then taking things out, or this looking in, which is from their perspective of how African history happened, how colonialism happened, how, how, how today migration is happening. These are real issues. And without understanding the root of migration, you can come in from the West and tell your story about migration, which is a lot of what you see on the news. But when Africans tell the story about migration, there's humanity into it, there's empathy. You understand why these things are happening. The same thing about apartheid. When Africans tell our story, you start to understand the real depth of what that meant, what that oppression meant, and you feel it. It's very different when, from when a Western writer tells it. It's more of like, 
oh, we feel so bad this happened. And you don't, there's an outsider looking in that you always get from that. But when an African tells that story, there's an authenticity that is unapologetic about what really happened. And I think that's what the world loses when we're not able to fund our stories, support storytellers, give storytellers the tools that they need to tell stories. That's what the world misses. And I think the world is realizing how critical the African experience is when you're entertaining the world and when you're buying content, when you're licensing content, but really these African experiences are part of the original storyteller of mankind. And I think that's what's so important about African storytelling and our contribution to world stories, to world cinema, to world economies is really our stories and how we bring that and we show up authentically as ourselves. And I think that's what the world is realizing so many so many streamers, you could see it in our music. Um, these are all breaking boundaries because African storytelling is important, not just to Africans, but even to people of African descent. And we need to make sure that we are telling those stories so that the world can see them. Jackie, you said that you had a fund from the state and a fund from the provinces. Uh, is it, uh, can you share with us the percentage of uh, you know movie you taking in charge or you pay for or which part is paid by the private sector thank you so pretty much um, a South African film um, can really be uh, funded uh, almost 100 through through government funding um, typically what a, what, what a filmmaker would do um, is that they would apply to the national fund which is the national film and and, and video foundation. And for a feature film, uh, in RAND terms, um, they could get uh, in the region of 1.5 million, which is, I guess, just over um, 100,000 US. Uh, I'm not sure where the, what the rate is at the moment, but that is the, the maximum yeah. for a feature film. Um, over and above that, they can apply to the Department of Trade and Industry for a rebate. So for all their South African expenditure, they can, they can get a rebate um, for, their, for, for up to um, 25% of their local spend um, for, for, for making that film in the, in the country. Um, if they're coming to shoot their film in KwaZulu-Natal, where we are, they can, in addition, um, get uh, funding of up to, up to 1.5 million rand again for a, for a feature film. Um, you know, the amounts differ depending whether it's a feature or a short or a documentary, but they can get an additional, um, you know, pot of funding from us Uh, to shoot their film in the province. Um, our requirement is that, uh, you know, 50% of that budget needs to be spent in, in KZN. So, you know, they can shoot a portion in KZN and, you know, they can also do um, other, other parts of the project or post-production, for example, in, um, in Johannesburg or, or Cape Town, which is what um, typically um, happens. Um, so, you know, with that, there's also the, um, the IDC, the Industrial Development Corporation, um, which is um, a bank, it's a government bank, um, and they basically offer a loan. Um, all the other uh, money is um, soft money in a way. Um, we only recoup when the film um, makes a profit uh, in, the, in the market. Um, With us as KZN Film Commission, we take a very soft, very last position in terms of that recruitment. Um, we have been able to recoup on, on, on two projects. Um, but other than that, um, you know, if there is no profit that's made from the film, then we don't, you know, um, look, look to get that money back. It's just with the IDC, which is a bank that gives a loan 
um, for those productions. So with those, you know, four or five instruments in South Africa, it is possible, you know, to have your uh, film fully funded um, by the state. Um, but then, of course, you know, uh, filmmakers do also um, look for look for private money. Um, they, they they do also look for look for sponsorships and um, issues of product placement as well. Um, especially in some of the bigger films, you know, with, uh, with bigger budget, that does happen. But a lot of the films, they are around the six million rand mark, um, and with that, you know, you are actually able, you know, from all the different funders, um, you are actually able to, to have your film financed in the country, provided obviously that the film is being shot um, 100% in, in South Africa. Um, we also have uh, funding for co-productions um, um, as well with, um, with, 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 with other partners. What we look at there with the co-production, we, we just look at um, your, your South African expenditure. We don't look at the entire budget. So the money that you're going to spend outside of the country um, um, doesn't get counted uh, in the, your South African spend. Um, and then you get your rebate um, and your, your funding based on the money that you, that you spend in the country. So whether it's um, a local production or a co-production, it is possible to access um, government funding. Okay. Um, Apolline, tell me how it works in uh, Burkina Faso. You have this kind of uh, incitement, so? Well, no, um, most, no, there's, there hasn't been really any film that is funded by the government. Um, it's the, the least of the problem. <laughs> so um, the, 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 the only one time that actually the government had um, get himself into funding films, it was for the, the 50th year of Sparkle, they wanted to have uh, as they say, it's very important films um, to be shown at the 50th year. That's when the government had actually gave 500,000 um, euros to two films to be um, to help them in the production. Um, so, I mean, in the country, it, there's two types of production. There's like the local one that is going to be just in the theater to make people go to the theater and just laugh. And then there is the other type of production, which is more independent. And then um, if you aim to go into the festivals and then go and compete, of course, those budgets are, are much higher and you are completely dependent of the um, European funds, you know, the, 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 the Francophonie fund and then all the European funds that are there to help third world countries. Um, so we, 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 you have to go through that um, to actually fund your, your, your film when the budget becomes high. And when the big budget is a small budget film, um, you just go local. Locally, you probably get some um, 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 some sponsors uh, locally that will help you and just do a lot of film and then just so it show it in a theater and then it really won't go anywhere. Um, but if you go into the step up, you uh, most of the funding is coming from Europe. Okay, so is it a conversation going on about this? I'm sorry. Is there, is there a conversation in Burkina Faso regarding the situation and maybe creating a fund for filmmakers? Oh, yes. We, I mean, um, from, from FESPACO uh, 2019, after that fair experience with the government, I think that they understood that to make good film, they need money. Um, they started to understand that uh, you cannot compare a film that cost $10,000 to a film that, that cost a million dollars. Now they're starting to understand um, 
And I think that they, they're from now, it's the first time they actually sign, um, well, unfortunately, but it's still, still Europe because it's, the, uh, it's, this, it's, an, it's a European fund that is, that is going to be actually um, managed by the country. But they put money into it and the government also put money into it for culture. Um, so we're starting to have some local funds to help us in our, in our, in our, in our, in our movies. So we haven't had any um, film that actually benefited from that fund yet. Um, I think that they made the first um, call a couple of months ago and we'll see how, how it's gonna go. But um, I think it's really from um, the 50th year of Fespaco that the government really understood that for us to bring our cinema internationally and to really compete, we need money to make our film because um, since that area, because you have to understand that the era of, of our, 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 our brothers, our big brothers, like Idrissa, Gaston, where everything was given to them. And then we had a big hole where when the, when the, the, the cinema really, really went down and we try our generation are trying to get back up um, to, so that people can actually trust us. Because from that area to now, it's been very, very dif difficult and the, the cinema really went down. Okay, thank you all so much. So in an interdependent world where the grid, the gloss and the stories, as Mo Abudu would say, are spread around the different part of the world, collaborating and more specifically co-producing is key. So in order to raise awareness on this issue for our audience, can you please explain to us what is at stake in terms of co-production when it comes to this industry? What should be taken into consideration by a team making a movie this day. Yes, thank you. Um, with co-production, you know, in, in, in South Africa, it's uh, an area that we're quite uh, active in. We have nine co-production treaties with um, different countries around the world, mostly Europe. Um, but we do have those nine treaties and those nine treaties have actually been working. You know, we have been able to produce uh, films, you know, through, through those treaties. Um, now, what we have noticed, and it's really becoming um, an issue that we're trying to see how we can deal with more effectively, is the fact that we don't have a co-production treaty with any African country. Um, so, for instance, um, in 2014, um, you know, I actually went to Nigeria for the first time, surprisingly, because, you know, we, we, we somehow, I think, also don't have a lot of... Um, intra-Africa collaborations. You know, we, go, we attend all the film festivals around the world, whether it's your Berlin, and, you know, but uh, in terms, and obviously we all go to Pesbako, right? But in terms of, um, you know, collaborating across the continent, it's something that we've really not, um, not done. So for me, going to Nigeria in 2014 to the African, um, you know, AFRIF, African International Film Festival, it was a huge eye-opener. Um, I mean, we know about Nollywood, you know, we see the films, but when you actually see the magnitude of the, of the industry um, and the, the, you know, the, the, the productions that are coming out there, the audiences, you know, for those, for those productions, it really starts, you know, you start asking yourself the question that why are we not making films? Why are we not co-producing, um, you know, films together? 
So we've, we started an initiative from that. Uh, you know, we invited a, a Nollywood delegation. Um, it was quite a mixed delegation of directors, producers, um, you know, distributors, actors, some of the banks that finance uh, films. Um, and it was what we, we called it a fact-finding mission. We, we, we also invited all the funders that I've spoken about, your NFEF, your DTI, your IBC. Uh, and we gathered in Durban and said, you know, let's understand each other's industries, um, industry to industry, you know, how, do, how, how does Nigeria work, how does South Africa work? And from that, what are the areas of um, collaboration? You know, how do we start co-producing content together? Um, so we have from that, um, have, have, we've had one film, uh, Comatose, which was already, you know, they had already started um, developing the film. Um, so we uh, funded the film. It's a South African Nigerian cast. It's shot in um, in Durban and and uh, parts in partly in Lagos as well. Um, and that was our our first initiative. Um, there's another film now that we are funding in development. It's just concluded development. It's about to go into production. Um, you know, and this is a a romantic comedy, if you like, um, um, on Nthaolo, you know, equal man meets a Zulu woman, and, you know, it's a, so that, that, that sort of romance, clash of culture. Um, and that's the second film that we're, that we're working on, um, you know, and there's lots of learnings from that, you know, areas where it's easy to work together, you know, and, 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 and you know, learning some of the challenges and how to, how to overcome those. Um, we've also been to Kenya as well, you know, looking at the, at the Kenyan industry. I think Nigeria was obvious because it's the biggest industry on the continent, you know, um, actually contributing to the, to the GDP. Um, so we looked at issues of um, distribution as well, you know, the potential audiences in Nigeria, potential audiences in South Africa for this, um, for this content. Um, but Kenya also is a, is a growing industry, it's a very active industry. And um, we've also engaged through Kalasha, you know, to see how we can, um, you know, uh, collaborate on content, produce content. So we are developing, um, it's actually a sci-fi film um, with Kenya, it's still in, in, in the script uh, development phase. So we are really looking and trying to find um, markets on the continent um, where we can look for areas of, uh, of collaboration whilst the governments are having the discussion, you know, because we do speak to the Department of Arts and Culture just to find out what is the progress with the official co-productions. Um, the talks, they've been in talks for many years with, um, with Nigeria um, about developing a co-production treaty, um, as well as with Kenya, um, as well as with, um, with Algeria, um, you know. So there are discussions that have been happening. So why, is it, why does it take so long? Um, look, I think it's, 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 it's various reasons. One of the main reasons is um, a national fund. Uh, I think, you know, if we look at other treaties that are in place that we have, um, there normally is a national fund in that country. Um, so you find that with a lot of the Afri African countries, there isn't a government fund. Um, and we can obviously only go into co-production if there is, um, you know, uh, funding between the, between the two countries. Um, I think Kenya has announced um, that they are, you know, going to uh, develop a fund for, for local films. So we're hopeful, you know, that, that that treaty will be announced quite soon. That seems to be the biggest uh, stumbling block, quite honestly, is the fact that there, that there aren't um, national funds in, in, in some of the other African countries. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, the, 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 the co-productions are possible without a treaty. 
Um, I think if we do find ways of working together um, as different African countries, whilst the government is still sorting out some of the logistics, um, I think it will also be a good stimulus, uh, you know, for the government to see that actually this is happening without us. You know, let's let's try and find a way of putting instruments in place that can really encourage the activity that we see happening on the ground. So that is really our position where we're trying to do as much as we can um, co-producing on the, on the African continent, because it makes sense on so many levels, you know, in terms of story, culture, audiences, you know, that we have so many similarities, uh, more than we have differences on the continent. Um, and, you know, with the, with the three projects that we've done already, um, there's so many um, interesting and unique themes that can be explored, you know, through, um, through an African voice um, that we're really finding quite, um, quite exciting. So it's something that we are definitely going to be pursuing much more going, for, going forward. So Apolline, I understand that you already do make a lot of co-productions. Can you share your experience? Um, yes. Um, actually, Burkina has a lot of treaty actually with uh, a lot of West African countries and even Morocco. Um, and our treaty with Morocco is actually very strong. Um, I have been um, indeed working with a lot of those countries on my last features films. Um, is I usually go and, and do films out of my countries. <laughs> um, so my, the, the experience has been actually really, really good, really good actually, because um, most of the time when I have a story and I will go to, to the country that my film is going to be shot, um, most, most of the time we have some treaty there. Um, whether it's from the government or not, um, the co-production will, will stand um, um, really nicely. You know, and, and I think that most of our cinema, which has a big budget film, are looking um, for cooperation. And also the funding that we are going towards, some, some of those fundings are actually, um, um, they really want us to be in co-production with other countries to actually have the fund. So sometimes you actually, you are obligated to have another producer from another country um, to get some of the funding. And so I think that most of the time also, because of those, those, uh, those ways, we, for a long time, have already started with co-production with other countries and other producers. Um, so those are, co-production is really something that we've been doing for a while um, in, in, which, in between uh, the West African um, uh, French countries. Um, and right now, actually, the, we are, I know that the Francophonie is aiming to do co-production with Nigeria. And, and I think that I actually was, was called for one of the projects in, in Nigeria, where I think, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, is really going to be the first co-production between an African um, uh, French-speaking country with an English one. So I think that's going to be the first with the Francophonie. And I, I really hope it's going to happen. Um, and I think we, we really, really need that. Okay, but what does it involve? Does it involve only funds or do you have to go through the government or uh, does it happen on, uh, uh, you know, uh, between professionals that you say, okay, I want to do a movie with, let's say, a Morocco or another African country and say, okay, uh, we can do that without 
having the government involved or the treaty if there is no treaty, no formal treaty? Oh, oh definitely you can. You, you can. you can either go through the treaty and if you have to go through the treaty, so that means that your country has to contact or the, the office of cinema has to contact the office of the cinema of, cinema of the other country. And then, and then from that, whatever you are going to to need if they can actually provide it. Like for example, when I, the first time I actually worked with Morocco, um, um, I, my government went through them and all of my post-production of, you mentioned earlier when you were doing my bio uh, of Moaz Zafira. Moaz Zafira was nearly um, uh, edited in Morocco and all the post-production in Morocco was actually taken care of by the, the Morocco government. Um, so you can go through that or you can just, as you said, find a, a, a producer, a local producer, and say, listen, I want to get into co-production. And he, it's going to be his job if um, the film is, is, is shot in this country or not. But it's going to be just his job to, to go and look for money and then get into the production. So it really depends on what you're looking for. If there's a treaty and you want to go from one country to the, to the other and that the country actually is helping you. Or if you really want... Um, uh, just a producer from one country, and then you guys are going to to get together to go and look for funding. Um, just to add a little bit to co-productions and to piggyback on what Jackie said, um, number one, there's been a lot of talents, um, talents sort of exchange between South Africa and Nigeria, between Kenya and Nigeria across the continent. Really, people come in here to produce, people go in there to produce. A lot of it hasn't been formalized, and I think that's what a treaty will do. It will sort of get us that formalization. And of course, because there isn't a lot of government support or government structures that support film in Nigeria, even though it makes a huge contribution to the GDP, and we've talked about it over and over again, the government is overwhelmed by just a number of issues to deal with that film tends to sort of find its way to the bottom of the, of the pile. But there was an administration, and I guess this also depends on the administration, that did invest in film, that did set up a Nolly fund, and that was during um, Jonathan Goodluck's time. This um, recent government has not been able to do that. Of course, that has a lot to do with commodity prices as well and how much money the government has. But what does happen is that there's a rich history of South Africans working in Nigeria to produce, Nigerians working in South Africa. And I saw we have a rich base to developed from when it comes to actually collaborating. And I think that's really more of what's important is also how do we collaborate to tell our stories? How do we co-produce to, co to tell our stories with or without the treaty? And that's really in a way what Nollywood has always done, which is getting on with it with or without uh, formal structures to support. So I understand there are two models here, the South African, which is, is really well organized and the Nollywood one, which is Okay, you go and you do whatever the government is doing. Okay, understanding the, the Nigerian model and knowing it's profitable and it works, obviously, what can be transferred and duplicated and what can be improved? This, we, this may help our listeners to envision the development of the other film industries in Africa. Uh, Biola, can you share with us what makes Nollywood film so successful? Is there a recipe or a process that can be adapted uh, to other countries on the continent. And even if a film is successful in the original country, uh, what is it, uh, what can be done uh, so it can be, it can attract Netflix and other platforms? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, in a way, we've tried to analyze and go back and forth on what is the Nollywood recipe. Um, I'm not sure the Nollywood recipe also would work for a lot of different countries. But I think what really works in Nollywood is that Nollywood is unapologetically Nigerian with all its all its foils and fables. And it doesn't sort of apologize for telling its own story. It goes back and forth a lot of times between who do we want to be? Do we want to tell original stories? Do we want to do adaptations? Or do we want to tell Western stories? And it does tell these in its own way. So even when it's reinterpreting a love story that you know is really impossible in a Nigerian environment, it tells it in its own way to still make it original. And it has an audience that just loves the way it tells its stories. And so in a way, that is, and also in a way, it always is giving a nod to tradition. So no matter how, how far a film goes, it still sort of comes back to traditional values, traditional Nigerian culture. And sometimes, I mean, I remember at the beginning of really trying to get wide distribution for Nollywood films, people scorned um, Nollywood films and looked down their nose because they said, oh, there's just too much juju. But why audiences around the world like it is because audiences around the world could relate to the fact that there was voodoo in the world, there was juju in the world, and no matter what we wanted to do, we couldn't deny that. And I think that as our films have evolved, that we've found new ways to tell those stories. I mean, in a way, what is the difference between Harry Potter being a witch and an African witch is just in the way you tell the story and the way people accept that. And I think the acceptance of our stories of how we've done them have changed. The other thing is Nigerians don't let budget get in the way. So budget sort of becomes things you have to deal with, but it almost sort of doesn't get in the way. And people will produce their film with whatever tools they have. And so that's why sometimes, I mean, at the beginning, people, people also complained. They were like, I can see the boom mic. I can see shaking. All these things are what happens at the beginning and early stages, but now all that stuff is gone. And so now the biggest issue we have is still sound and we're working on that. But sound is improving every day as more internationals are coming in and they're sending us their requirements. People are also improving. Technology also played a huge part. Technology became much more accessible to people. People could afford to buy a camera and people started buying cameras and then post-production became much more computerized. And then people also then Bought those software. So technology has been a huge partner along this journey for, uh, for Nigeria. And I think other places need to embrace the technology, need to adopt technology very quickly. We need to get out of these old models of how we used to make films. Young people are making their films using phones. And I think that's another thing that has helped Nigeria sort of this embracing technology at every corner, but also that unapologetic way of telling our stories. And that's sort of some of the things that I think, uh, uh, it's like a combination of all these mixtures that have come together. And then the entrepreneurial spirit that Nigeria has everywhere. People really are business people when it comes to making their films. They will do everything to make their films possible. And family support, friends support, any structure that they can tap into, they will do that. And I think that's what makes Nollywood sort of Nollywood and that's what's made the film so popular because people can see that these stories I can relate to them they're human stories. Uh, Jackie what about the South African model what can be duplicated you think that can be duplicated in Africa and to make all the film industry uh, industry uh, successful? Um, yes, yeah, so with the South African model as I mentioned earlier we're, we're really still trying to figure that out, you know, learning as much as possible. 
um, from, um, from other regions, other parts of the world. Um, what we've done in South Africa is, uh, like I've mentioned, we've really structured our, our funding um, so that it makes it possible you know, for um, South African stories to be told. Um, and this was really put um, as a priority quite early on you know, in, in, in South Africa's new democracy. And I think it's because um, the government recognized um, how important culture was in the anti-apartheid struggle. You know, the, the, the roles that some of the, the film, the impact that some of the films that were made in that era had on the world and how they, you know, really helped to uh, spread a message um, about what is happening. You know, if you think about a dry white season, for instance, it's quite a big film, very much a story about South Africa, but it really helped, you know, to, to spread that message across. So very early on, the South African government, I think, under, understood that, and they put um, funding mechanisms in place quite early, learning from um, what is being done in other countries. Um, what I think we found from our experience with, um, with Nollywood, and we're still getting to learn and understand the more we work together, um, is really that level of flexibility um, because it, it, you know in South Africa it is you know quite formal it's just, you know it's organized their processes um, and you know working with um, the Nigerian um, industry it's about let's get it done you know let's get it done quickly let it go to market you know um, and we, we we don't always as a South African industry you know think about the market think about the distribution um, until much later on in the process um, and of course the market is critically important you know we, we really have to look at um, how do you get a return on, 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 on your investment and maybe it is because we do have all the funding instruments that are accessible um, but more and more you know, as we work with uh, with Nollywood and 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 you know, our minds are shifting more to the to the distribution side. I think that is a, a big learning that um, that we are we, we are getting into Africa. We're very strong technically, so in terms of script, in terms of you know production, I think we've got um, very highly skilled crews in the country that work that do work you know um, across the continent across the world. Um, but yeah, uh, with, with our local content, it's the, the distribution side of, of it that I still think we need to, we need to beef up much more. Um, and this is really where um, Nollywood excels, you know, because the return on investment is, uh, is huge. Um, you know, the, the Nollywood uh, filmmaker will say that, you know, what's the point of making a film if you're not going to make, um, make money from it, you know? And I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's almost a no-brainer, um, but it's something that we are really um, getting, getting, getting our heads around. Um, so we are a very formal, very structured um, industry. Still, I would say growing uh, in terms of a, a local industry. Um, we're still um, you know, getting to find our, our identity, but there is lots of um, opportunity, I think, for, for more, more, more collaboration. Um, and for you know bigger bigger stories to be told um, from South Africa. Um, this is Biola. I just wanted to jump in um, after um, what a couple of things Jackie said that actually reminded me. Another thing that I think Nollywood does really well is Nollywood takes its films out there and test it with audience. So even if you finish your film, you might not have perfect distribution. 
it will still be distributed. And a lot of it is to learn what learn from the audience. So constantly learning from the audience and trying as many distribution channels as possible. So we did video clubs, we had DVD distributions, we had re DVD rentals, we when streaming came along, we had content to put on streamers, YouTube. I mean, some of the biggest MCNs are Nollywood actually on YouTube. Some of the earliest MCN adopters on YouTube or Nollywood. So Nollywood constantly is trying to get the content to people wherever they are and learn more every time it does it. So in a way it's being, it's, it's when you spend too much money on a film, you can't be nimble with distribution. And that's what Jackie's saying. You need sort of these formal, um, formal structures, but because Nollywood is nimble a lot of times with, in, with the with the investment in the early phase of our industry, we were able to try and do much more distribution and get a return on your investment much quicker because you didn't need these big cinemas because we didn't have them. So you did video. I mean, you did some of these were in viewing centers. People were viewing and paying and that's how you did distribution. And I think we've constantly learned while improving your craft. Film is a practice. You have to constantly be making films to get better. And as long as people are making films, they'll get better at making them. And that's what you're seeing now, which is why you're seeing so much popularity on the streamers. Uh, Apolline, uh, what would be your uh, takeaway uh, from the South African models and the Nigerian model? Um, it's very interesting because um, our, our, it's very inspiring. And, and, and I know for, for example, a lot, of, a lot of our cinema here, I've been saying, why don't we take the, the, the Nigeria um, uh, way of making film. We've been so much um, making film for so many years as the French have been doing. We've, we've learned um, to make film as, as the French and big budgets. Um, the crew is, is, is uh, it's a lot. I mean, uh, if you want to make a feature film, it has to go from six weeks to whatever. You can make it under. Uh, the, the set is big, the equipment are big, everything is big. So doing something really quickly has been very, very big asshole to us. We are trying with, with um, for, for the couple of years, we've tried to, to do something, uh, films that have been a little bit um, less cost. That's one. And then that will take a little more, more uh, less time. But it's been, it's been a hassle. And of course, there's a lot of talk about Yes, is the Nigeria way the way for Africa or not? And then we, we there's a lot of argument about that. Is, that. is that the way? I think that it's, it's, it's one of the way, of course, because it's quick. Um, they can generate uh, some money. And then because at the end of the day, we, we over here, we're making films that are, that are so huge. And the budget, if you look at it for an African country, like poor African country like Burkina, and you look at our budget, it's like, whoa. You know, is it necessary to use that, that much money to make this film? And we never get, most of the time with those films, we never get our money back, never. You know, it's actually to go, to be able to, to go into those big festivals, to be able to participate in the World Festival. So you can actually make yourself a name. And most of the time you don't get your money back. You don't, you don't get your resources back. Um, uh, so yes, the, 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 the way that Af the, the Nigeria or even South Africa, um, it, it's, it's a model that we actually have to, to look into it and to try to get um, the good stuff out of it. Of course, we cannot make it uh, exactly the way they are doing it, 
but it, it's it's of course a way for us to to ameliorate what the way that we are making films because it's such a difficult way to make the film. Um, and then at the end of the day, of course, when you go to the bank, if you go to the government, they look at you and they say, okay, you're going to make this film for that much money. Um, how are you going to get back your money? And we, we never can answer that question. We can never answer that question, you know? And we're hoping to have a big <clears throat> release in Europe so we can actually make probably half of the money back. But we, we're still in that, air, in, in that independent filmmaking um, stage <clears throat> where is the festival that are more important to us. And then um, commercially, it's, it's really, really, really a hustle because the distribution is not following up. Um, of course, if you look at the, the cinema over here, most of the cinema are closed. We're not even talking about COVID. They're all closed. There are now parking lots or supermarkets. Um, and so the, the, the one that are actually open, if you look at the tickets to go into the cinema, it's like nearly less than a dollar, you know? So if you make a film that has cost 2 million euros or $2 million, and then the ticket is less than a dollar, how are you gonna make back your film, you know? So we, we're really trying to get into the, 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 the idea and the way to look into Nigeria to say, okay, the way they're doing it, of course, uh, um, the, the lady from Nigeria was talking about, you know, uh, the technical improvement that they're having there. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, it's, it's very great because the more you make, the better you become, you know? And then we over here, we're not making a lot of film, but we can wait two, three, four, five years to actually make a film so, to, we, so we can actually get into the norms of what a, a quote unquote, a real film with all the norms are. So it's, it's, it's something that we, it's, it, it, of course, it's something that we are, we are looking into it, but we still have that, um, how might I call it? We still have that, that wave that uh, on our shoulder that, that we've been taking from, from France. Okay, it's good that you're talking about uh, festivals. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I wanted to say something. Um, this is Biola again from Nigeria. Mm -hmm. I think that it doesn't mean that there has to be one way. I think it also can be a blended way. So there could be, how do you blend a little bit of the Nigerian way with the French way that you've been trained? There could be a blended way of making films that help you get things out, but at the same time, you're able to retain the technical element. And I think that's what South Africa is doing now. Yes, correct. Um, I, I definitely think so. I, I think that it's not, there's no one way, but I think that is looking into the, the way Nollywood is making film, the way South Africa is making film, and to actually get um, the good stuff out of it and trying to actually uh, um, get less difficulty of the way that we're making film. Because seriously, the way we are making film, it's so heavy. It's so, so, so heavy that um, we, we actually need to find a way that we can we can lower those costs, we can lower the, the, the production sets um, and to, to be able to actually make not one or two films a year because that's what is happening. We're making one or two films a year. And again, even if we're lucky to make those type of film. And um, I think that if we even get into five films a year, it's, it's great because we are not getting into that. Um, in one year, if we, we have one good film, we're lucky. Okay, so there are some issues, some challenges to be addressed. The Cannes Festival or the FESPACO are important platforms within the global film industry for producers, filmmakers, and uh, 
for global audience to understand the system. How do you prepare to go and to, to go to these type of events, Apolline? And can you share your experience with us? What were the steps you you took, sorry, to get to FESPACO and win the award that was bestowed on your film? Well, there's not really any steps. Huh? I think that when you make your film, you have to be sure that all the and the the quality. I think that's the the most important that the quality is there. There's a minimum actually that you have to have um, on your film. Um, technical wise, what I'm talking about, you know, that the sound is is really really well done, that the image is well done, and then after that, I mean, the story is uh, is relative. I mean, whether you 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 can make a great story and people won't like it, and there's really not a step. I think. Um, you make a film, you make sure that you made the best film that you can make, um, and then you hope for the best. And I think that's what, I, that's what I've been doing. Um, I've, been, I've been to Toronto, I have my film, I've been to Toronto, to Sundance, um, not only Fesparco, I, I think that I, I, they, my, my film went through so many festivals and I wasn't expecting some of them, you know, uh, especially the big one, because the big one are the ones that are more difficult to get in. And so, you make the best film that you can make with your heart and with your, 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 you know, your feeling. And then you just hope that you get in. And when you get in, of course, um, you cannot lose that opportunity and then go mingle. You just have to fight when you get into those, to those big festival and, and make sure that your, your people hear about the film, that uh, people come and see your film. And that's the way uh, slowly you, you, you can make a name. Um, so whether it's FESPACO, whether it's those other big festivals that I've been, it, it was the same, it was the same, um, it, it was the same step. You, you, you make the best out of it and you send your film and you have, of course, to, that you can actually organize a private screening because those are things that you can do. Because some of those big festivals, there's so many films that are coming and your film can just go through it and no one is going to see it. So if you have the possibility to to do some private screening and bring some programmer to actually see the film. Those are some possibility that you can have a chance to get into those festival. Um, and then when you get in, you, you, you gotta fight. It's a hustle, you gotta fight. So people will come and, and, and see your film that the press is gonna be um, on your film and you make interview and then you hope for the best. Yeah, but still it's a budget and a lot of the films don't have this budget uh, to, you know, to have their films screened in festivals or, uh, to go uh, in front of uh, in, in film markets. Oh, definitely, it's a budget. So, and those those you most of the time when you make your budget for production, um, I'm taking my example. I don't know if everybody is doing that, but when I do my project in production, I include promotion into the budget. So when we're going to look for money for to to actually make the film in that budget, we we do have production. I mean, uh, promotion and distribution on that. Which means that if after the film, if I do get a distributor that will go, that is going to actually take over the film and distribute the film, great. If I don't, well, I'll do by myself. But I'm not going to sit down and wait for for a distributor. And even the experience that I had um, over my last two feature films that were actually distributed by a big distributor and French distributor, I wasn't really happy because they don't know what to make out of our film. They don't know how to distribute our film. And that the film, it, it, you, your film gets into those big distributor company and it's in the box, you know? They have no idea what to do with it. Um, and from that, the first experience that I had, um, so we, there was a lot of, a, a lot of fights um, regarding that. And for my second, my, my second film with them, I took my own film and I started 
going to the festival. I started sending them because I, I saw what happened with the film that they distributed. They, they, they don't know the market. They don't know the market. They don't know the African market. They only know, know, know the European market. And at the new European market, they don't know how to distribute it. They don't know how to get people get, to get interested of it. So I left them with Europe and I went to distribute the film in America and in Africa. And it, it was actually great because I had the control. So now I know that even if I have my next film, I don't think that I will sign with the big distributor company unless, you know, they actually will give me a strategy of how are they going to distribute the film. And they actually, there's a signed document that this is what they're going to do. Because some, most of the time you will give it to them. Um, next to your film, there's those big no, uh, 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 Hollywood film. And then they take your film and they put it in the, in the, in the, on, the, on the box and then nothing happens. Okay, so you have to fight for your film. Yes, you have okay. to. Okay, uh, Jackie and Biola, there were Biola, sorry. Uh, uh, there were a lot of festivals in your uh, respective countries. What role do you think they played in the promotion of your film industry? Uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll speak about South Africa. Um, I mean, you know, we, I mean, I, I was working at the National Film and Video Foundation um, for many years, and this is the national body that was responsible for film. And my role there was really to market um, South Africa as a location. So film festivals became very, very important um, in, that, uh, in that scenario. Um, I think what we did is that we were very aggressive um, in, our, in our marketing. When we started out, I mean, we literally had one or two films that we flogged, I think, at every market out there that was, that, that, that was available, you know. We first of all had to understand how the festival works. We had to understand, you know, who the programmers were, you know, who it is that we need to target, who, you know, who's dealing with the, the African territories. So a lot of that homework needs to be done, you know, because the festivals are huge and they've got um, different programmers, um, you know, working on, on, on different territories. Um, and yeah, I mean, in the early years, we were really <laughs> flogging those one or two titles, you know, to the extent that the producers would actually say that, you know, don't we have any other films? Um, but I think it helped. Uh, it really helped to, to put us uh, on the map, uh, first of all, so people to know that there is a South African industry and that we do make films. Um, and I think it, 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 it really laid the foundation for, for where we are now, you know, because um, filmmakers and, and, and also obviously as we were attending a lot of these international film festivals, we took um, filmmaker delegations with us. Um, so that, you know, a, a more diverse um, South African group of filmmakers could, could understand how international film, film festivals work and how to access them. And, you know, have conversations with, uh, with, with, with programmers, you know, talk about their current films, but talk about films that um, they still want to, want to make in future. Um, because obviously the conversation with the programmer is not always about your current film, but they're also very interested in the work that you've got um, coming forward in future. Uh, and it's very important, you know, to keep those relationships going um, for, 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 for your future films. So I think to a very large extent, you know, we, we, we opened those doors. South African films now, you know, they're, they're, they're highly celebrated um, in a lot of the film fe uh, festivals around the world. And they do, they, do, they do well, you know, they win awards at all the different film festivals. I think, you know, there's a, definitely a big group of filmmakers that understand, you know, how to approach festivals, how to, 
how to work, um, you know, with, 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 with festivals. Um, but again, um, we do also support that. Um, we've got a marketing and distribution fund, you know, for filmmakers that either want to attend festivals or that, um, you know, want to um, distribute their, their, their films to, to audiences because there are lots of fees obviously attached with them. Um, putting your film, submitting your film into, into a festival. So that is um, additional support that we do, we do give, to, give, give to the films. But yeah, initially there was a lot of spade work. Fisbucker was also very, very important for us. You know, we thought it was very important that we position South African films within Fisbucker. Um, one of the founders of Fisbucker um, was South African, Lionel Ngakani. So we were very lucky, you know, to have him there uh, initially, you know, really just to introduce us um, into that space. Um, and then we slowly started introducing films into, into Fesbako. Um, so I think it's really just been a lot of aggressive marketing that we've done at, um, at all the different uh, film festivals that we've been attending over, over the years. Um, I think for us, I mean, one of the biggest things that we lose this year and last year is of, obviously we weren't able to do um, local festivals or attend local festivals or attend festivals within the continent. I think there's been a, a, some effort to get us out into the world when it comes to festivals. But what has really worked for filmmakers, because we're once again, it's we're still a young industry festivals where people start to make those connections. People start to understand festivals. People start to understand the politics of festivals festivals, who to talk to, who to engage, how to engage. And so for our, our young filmmakers, we always encourage people to go to local festivals because local festivals are, mo are most of the time free and they're not that expensive for people to go to, while international festivals are much more expensive. And although Nigeria has a booth at some of these festivals, there, there isn't that much that we're selling as a country. We're not selling Nigeria as a location to come and shoot at. So really, it's just our films and our filmmakers. And um, we have the government hasn't consistently been able to support that. And so for me, I think it's really a shame that um, filmmakers are going to miss out on local film festivals because that sort of is what motivates and get people excited about going to the international film festivals, especially, uh, you know, I mean, there's been some great festivals that have done showcases on Nigeria. Um, Toronto Film Festival did that. Um, you know, we've done some stuff in a Durban Film Festival. So there has been festivals that have sort of reached out and um, done specific things to promote Nollywood. But I definitely think that there's a lot more work that needs to be done in projecting Nollywood in, from a festival perspective. But I think local festivals have a huge role to play as well in the ecosystem. And it's a shame that we're missing out on those because of COVID. So now for the last question, we're going to talk about the last item in the uh, value chain of the movie industry, which is monetization and distribution. What are your thoughts, what are your suggestions to uh, filmmakers or to producers once the film is shot, everything is in order? How do they get there to get monetized? Apolline, we'll begin with you. How do they get out there? Um, well, I think the first thing, if you're a young filmmaker, is festival. We just talked about it, it's festival. And, uh, and I know that some, a lot of young filmmakers and a lot of filmmakers, when they have their film, of course, distribution hasn't been budgeted in the film. So that becomes another problem because going to the festivals, even sending festival, I mean, if you're filming to festivals, there's a budget because a lot of those, those films, 
you have to pay to, to send your film, you know? Um, so the first step is to actually, and there are some film festivals that are free. I think that the, if you don't have the budget for it, I think you have to, to, to begin, begin by that, by sending your film into festival so that they can, it can be seen. Um, of course, when you, if you don't want to send your film into festival and it's really um, a film that has been um, done principally to, 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 for a commercial point of view, um, is to look for a distributor. Look for a distributor and it's not easy to look for a distributor. Most of the time you will, you will find a distributor in those festivals. Um, and if you start, and when you start with festival, even one or two, if the film is good, at the festival, film festival, if you're able to go, if, even if you cannot go, um, other people are going to see the film at festival, that the, some programmer of other festivals are gonna be there, and then your film is gonna go to another film festival. And then slowly by slowly, it's gonna spread out, you know? So that's one way. The second way, you, you can try to find a distributor that can actually put it on screen, Putting your film on screen, it's another story, it's another fight. But if you're a young filmmaker and you're starting that business, I think the first step is really a film festival that you can actually participate, whether you, you'll be there or not, but at least that the film is out there. People are gonna see it. People are gonna start talking about the film and then um, other festivals are gonna probably gonna see it and then bring it to their festival. And then slowly but slowly it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna spread out. And I think really when your film comes out, I think the first step for me, and that's what I've been doing, um, is, is to go through festival first and then trying to get through the festival a distributor and, and, and trying to actually see what, what's going to be your strategy to distribute your film once you get, once you get there. Um, because also the audience, the reaction of the audience is so important to us director. Um, so yes, I, I think that's, that's what I can say. Uh, what about the That's the first, I'm sorry? What about sales agents? An agent? Sales agents, yes. Um, yes, it's, it's if you have the, the possibility, why not? And I think that every single thing that you can do um, for your film to be seen, whether it's even for free, um, especially when you just started, it's important. Every single way, every, every single thing that you can, you can do um, so that your film can be seen and people can talk about it, um, why not? Okay. Thank you so much, Apolline. You're welcome. Good. Jackie? Thank you. Um, look, and, and I think um, to Apolline and, and also Viola's point, local festivals are so important uh, in, in, in this regard. And of course, in South Africa, we've got a, a wide range of, um, of festivals in the, in the country, you know, very well established, the Durban International Film Festival. Um, we've also got the Encounters, uh, you know, Documentary Film Festival, um, and these are mostly um, international film festival, but uh, with a, a very high percentage of uh, local local South African films. You know, we have Discop um, that takes place uh, in Johannesburg, as well as the Johannesburg uh, Film Festival, and you'll find in other regions of the, the country, like the Limpopo, the Northwest, um, you know, they will also have their own film festivals where, you know, the local films are, are shown, and you know, I think as has been said, this is where filmmakers also understand, you know, how to how to work um, festivals. We 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 have the the Durban Film Market, um, and the Durban Film Market, I think it's, it's it's quite valuable because this is where filmmakers can submit their films, 
And uh, once they're selected, they are able to meet, you know, with um, with buyers. So whether it's, um, you know, your commissioning editors, your sales agents, your festival programmers, your television, television distributors, um, they are actually able to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with them um, within, within, within the Durban film market. Um, and I think that has worked very well for South African films, but also from films across the continent, because the Durban film market is not exclusively for South African films, it's actually um, a platform where African filmmakers, you know, from across the continent can actually meet with, um, uh, with buyers um, of, 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 of whichever form. Um, I think uh, an important uh, aspect is the whole issue of, um, of IP, um, you know, the ownership of content. Um, I think uh, filmmakers, uh, you know, really need to understand the importance of, you know, they've invested so much in this film. Um, they really have to make sure that they hold on to those, those rights. It's very tempting, you know, when you get a contract, um, somebody wants to buy your content. It's very tempting just to say, that, look, let me, uh, you know, get uh, as much money as I can, you know, from this deal um, and really not look at the best deal possible for their film and look at the different territories that they, that they could possibly, um, you know, sell their film to. Um, so the connections, yes, with the sales agents are very important, uh, with the distributors also, um, those, those are very critical. Um, but also just to get that, um, that legal advice uh, when you're signing off that contract that you're getting the best possible deal, you know, for your, for your film in the, in the different markets. Um, but I would very much agree that um, the local film festival is the first port of call um, because also those films are screened to the local audiences in those, in those areas. It's a way of growing, growing audiences for the, for the films that will eventually, you know, hopefully consume those films at the, at the end of the day. Um, but marketing and distribution, I think, like I've mentioned earlier, it's, it's an area that we really need to work on in South Africa when it comes to our local forms, getting a, getting a return on that investment. Um, and it's really just about understanding the audiences, um, trying to get uh, sales in the different territories for your film, um, you know, just, to, just in order to get it out there. And also, you know, to earn a living from the, from the films that you make. Um, Still something that we were working on in South Africa. Viola, do you have something to add? Um, just a little bit to add. I think um, it's really important to look at distribution. Who can do? Who can distribute your film locally? How do you get on their radar? And also to keep on giving them updates. I mean, some of the things people like to do is they like to see your teasers. They like to see that you're paying attention to different things. So if you have a collection of distributors that you've met, which really you get to meet distributors at festivals mostly, or go online now, everything is online. You can find distributors and just keeping people abreast as you're producing your film, getting people interested early on. These are great ways to um, engage distributors, but also co-productions. And anytime you're doing a co-production, make sure that the other person is bringing, they have strengths where you have weaknesses. So maybe they have very good relationships with distributors so that they can handle distribution while you're handling, you know, you have stronger um, skills on the post-production. So be really strategic about the partnerships you bring in so that you and your partners are really always going, you know, you're always playing to each other's strengths and weaknesses. The other thing too, and lastly is don't be, 
don't be shy to have more than one distributor for your film. Look at people that do different regions. Make sure that people are working in the regions that they know. Just like Apollonia said, they didn't know what to do with her film in certain places. And then she took it to America. She took it to other places. So really try to find the people that know what to do with your film for that territory. Someone might be able to do an amazing job distributing your film in Africa, but not in Europe find a European distributor. We have multiple distributors on some of our films and one of them was able to get our film on a television channel in the US, which we hadn't ever broken into. I'm not sure anyone's even broken into that market. And so our film was part of their lineup for Valentine's Day. And it's a US um, television channel that um, has a black audience. And so really trying to also diversify how you distribute your film and being open to that, but really developing relationships. The film is a relationship business. Um, I mean, I met Jackie when she came to Nigeria, I met Jack when I went to Durban and, you know, we've kept in touch. So really this industry is really about relationships. And as a young filmmaker, just continue to develop relationships, stay connected with people. Once in a while, just say, hey, I'm sending you an email just to let you know what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And I'm working on my new film. And I think those are things that are really important for young filmmakers when they're when they begin this journey. OK, welcome. I have a subsidiary question uh, because uh, Jack mentioned in the beginning that uh, you know there are a lot of films in local languages. Now, if we talk about the universal language of film, what is this universal language? Do you have to uh, dub or to subtitle your films? Because uh, you know that the Oscar Academy disqualified a Lionheart uh, on the ground that it was the majority of the film was in English as if he didn't know that English was one of the languages of Nigeria. So uh, now, what do you, that, do you lose something when you have to dub or to uh, translate uh, or to subtitle a movie? Does it uh, restrict where you, it's going to be watched if it's subtitled, for example? One of the things I think that Netflix has proven to us, and I think that's the beauty of global platforms, is that we've had these arguments before. I mean, my background is in television. We've like when we license films, how do we do this? Do we dub it? Do we do we subtitle when we license um, telenovelas? But what's happened and what the world has shown us and even the popularity of telenovelas across Africa has gone to show you that the audience just wants to be entertained and they will go along on the journey. If you promise them that they will be entertained, they will be, they will be ignited. They would, their curiosity will be switched on. If you can promise an audience that go on this journey with me, because this is going to be one great ride, they will go with you. Even if it's subtitled, if it's dubbed. And I mean, when you look at the, the, the popularity of, of, of shows like Narcos, it goes to show you that it doesn't matter. When you look at the popularity of the of the of the Z channel across Africa, which is fully dubbed Indian content, you get to see that. You see the telenovelas, which are fully dubbed. And in the beginning, people would laugh. But guess what? They are sweeping up the country, the nation. They are sweeping up across the continent. So I think the biggest thing about audiences, they want to be, they want to make sure that this is a quality journey that you're asking them to go on. And that at the end of these two hours or one and a half hour, you're going to deliver. And I think that's it. So I don't think you lose anything. I think when it comes to these big organizations, the there is a little bit of archaic laws and rules that they have to go through. But those are organizations that to be honest with you, I think 
the job of a filmmaker is to make their film and start these type of controversies and these type of conversations. We can't sit here and wait for big, old, white institutions to change. We have to make our stories the way we feel our audiences want those stories to be told. And so there might be some years where that's going to change eventually. But now this year, a Nigerian film is going is qualified to be in the Oscars. So, I mean, it is a journey. It is a conversation. And we've started that conversation. But I think the biggest thing is figure out what your audience wants and what journey you're taking them on and do what your film needs, be it dubbing, be it subtitling, do what's right for your film. This is a great advice. Jackie, what would be your thought about that? Yeah, I I think with regards to that, our thoughts initially was that, um, you know, tell the film in the language, um, the original language. And we were very passionate about that. And I guess, again, it was because of of our history. You know, our broadcast channels, actually, um, a lot of the the dramas that we have are in um, the original languages. We've got 12 official languages in, in South Africa. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's, it's what, 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 what uh, naturally works for the film. You know, we've had um, successful films, I would say, um, that have been in, in Zulu, in Tsotsital. Um, Tsotsi was the, the big, big film, um, you know, uh, and it, that, that, that was not in English. Um, you know, we also had, um, Elelwani, which is a film that did quite well in festivals, and that was um, that was in Venda. You know, we've got um, the Letter Reader and other content that's currently on uh, on Netflix that is in the original language. Um, but we've also got um, you know quite a number of successful films that are that are in English. You know, hundred um, percent. I think what we what we found was that when a film is um, you know written uh, by the person who speaks. The language, you get that authenticity in the film, and it's 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 it's, it's convincing for an audience. Um, you know, traditionally in South Africa, and again historically, you know, the film would get written, let's say, by a, a white, you know, writing team. It would then get translated into um, Zulu or one of the other African languages, and in that translation, you know, something something gets lost. Um, but now, you know, if you have, um, you know, filmmakers that are writing that who, who, who understand the language, also understand the culture, um, it really brings that um, authenticity to the screen. So I think it's, it's, it's not really one rule. Um, it, it depends a lot on the story. I definitely do agree with that. Um, it, it, you know, it, uh, it depends a lot on the, on the film itself, you know. Um, I can't imagine um, Eliluani Otsosi being done in English, you know, it just, it just, it just wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be the same film. Um, so I think there are a lot of variables there and, and dubbed films, you know, they do, they do, they do work as well. Um, they, they, they do work. They're not so big um, in South Africa. I think again, it's a historical uh, legacy of ours, um, but the um, telenovelas, yeah, I think they're, they're really breaking that ground because they are very, very popular in there. And they're all dubbed, you know, so there lots of audiences appreciate that. So I think it really depends on the film, the story. At the end of the day, you know, we're, we're, we're storytellers. So whatever works well for the film um, is, 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 is really what's going to sell. Okay. Thank you, ladies, for your contribution to the, the conversation. Goodbye and talk soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Wave. Found out more about the series on our social media accounts. 
reaching up to the skies, Africa rising. 